Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 209. So I have three, count them, three fun facts for you this week. And that's wow. because uh, these three fingers, which no one else can see that I'm holding up besides the uh, audience of our live stream for episode 209, uh, are the only three fingers that really matter on your hand because the pinky finger is basically useless. It's too small to do anything. And the thumb's not really a finger. It, like, it doesn't do finger things. But the th- Agree? I, I, I can confirm from spraining my thumb last week that it's very quite it's quite useful if you can't grip anything with one of your thumbs it's very hard to do yeah. anything but you use your thumb to grip not to do finger things well, define define finger, what define what finger yeah. things I, yeah. yeah this this but movement you don't do arbitrary. that you do that perpendicular to to the other things but, but, but it's still the same motion what are you talking about <laughs> no but it's perpendicular to that that plane of movement so i don't need to, don't need to get into an argument with you about what a finger is or isn't we have a history so Either way, we have three, count them, three fun facts. The first of which um, has to do with Tom Brady, of course. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's actually going to retire. I'm sure we'll bring that up a little bit mm-hmm. later on in the episode. Um, but if he does retire, assuming he stays retired, he would have been the last active athlete that was drafted by the Montreal Expos. Uh, fun fact, shout out to a, a defunct team who has since moved. Uh, fun fact number two is also a Tom Brady-related fun fact, coincidentally enough. And that's that Tom Brady won the first three Super Bowls ever played in the month of February. Uh, that would have been in 2002, 2004, and 2005, I believe. Um, so that's a pretty cool fun fact. And the fun fact three is one that I'm sure none of, none of you three even saw coming. But that's that the FCC is probably going to fine Fox for $504,000 for using the EAS, the emergency alert system tones, for an ad back in 2021 that they ran across all of their television networks and affiliates and uh, Fox Sports Radio and their affiliates for Fox NFL Sunday. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the EAS or emergency alert system it has uh, a two-tone, very harsh noise that you probably hear before severe weather coming across the TV. Yeah, they use that in their ad and that is highly illegal to broadcast. And uh, the FCC is most likely going to be finding them about half a million dollars for that. I, uh, that just I came out last week, so... I don't remember that ad, so really they definitely screwed up with that ad then because it wasn't memorable and it's going to get them fined. If you're going to get fined, at least make it memorable, right? It yeah. was like a three-second clip, and they allegedly just pulled some videos off of YouTube to throw into the ad without, I don't know, using their noggin, I suppose. And I pulled up the ad, and it's it was very much kind of like the intro to uh, uh, it during Jack Trice before the team runs out where they, they play like the warning sound and – you know, uh-huh. attention fans of whoever, you know, duck and cover. Um, but they use the actual EAS tones, which, again, bad. So here's your, your three-pronged funk fact for the week. Interesting. What what is the what is the uh, the third one have to do with sports, though? Uh, because Fox NFL Sunday. Okay. Sounds good. That's the sports plug there. And, and I guess Tom Brady's going to Fox, yes. too. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. Tom Brady is not going to broadcast until the fall of 2024. He's not broadcasting in 2020, 2023. So I wouldn't yes. put any large amounts of money on the fact that he won't 
somehow be back if there's a 49ers situation this season? No. no, don't do that either way. Somebody collected the sand he was standing on his retirement announcement and sold it at oh. auction for like $90,000. Oh, wow. wow. That's a good racket. That could be yeah. anything. Apparently, there was a video that showed him collecting yeah. it. So, yeah, they okay. took a picture and a video and all that fun stuff. I don't know if it's certified, but... Bringing your sand guy? Yeah. Who yeah. would certify it? No one. <laughs> Roger Goodell himself. I don't think Roger was there. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't. I, ha, I don't think I don't Roger know. wants to meddle in that. He already meddles in enough. He's the closest thing I can think to as a as an authority on the subject. So Roger Goodell is a sand authority. The closest thing I can think of for the <laughs> sand underneath Tom Brady's feet. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Any any other fun facts? Are we are we good? Are we jumping into the meat here? Let's get into it. All right. Well, I think the the, the biggest thing we're going to talk about, despite the the Super Bowl coming up, I still think the most important thing we're going to talk about, at least for the four of us. Well, maybe three of the four of us. Kyle, the Super Bowl is probably more important to you. Beating KU is pretty big, but we'll get into that part. Yeah, that's true. Um, but for at least three of us, the biggest thing this week was was the up and down week for the Cyclone men's basketball team. It started out in absolutely, well, I won't say disastrous fashion, in quite disappointing fashion. Blew a 23-point second-half lead at Texas Tech. That, um, yeah, I mean, as I said on last week's episode, right, in the grand scheme of making the NCAA tournament, that game didn't matter. After losing it, we fell all the way from 13th in the net to 15th in the net. It didn't make that big of a difference. But boy, when you're up by that much against the worst team in the Big 12, that's a game you really, really want to have. And they just fell apart in the second half. Um, there were 22 second half fouls called on Iowa State. Texas Tech shot 37 free throws for the game. Um, most of you can do the math, at least 24 of those um, were shot in the second half just by the nature of the number of fouls. Um, Iowa State turned the ball over 17 times for the game um, and only forced eight. Um, in successful cycling games, you see those numbers generally opposite. We're, we're the one forcing 17 turnovers and only turning it over single digit times. Taman Lipsy had a tough game, tough game for Iowa State. Like, this was one game where you were like, well, that's that tons of freshman mistakes um, all over the place. A lot of lazy passes that had a lot of air under them, too, uh, that were easily you know, picked off by Texas Tech. And they were there. They were going the other way on a fast break. Um, I mean, Lipsy, maybe his worst game of the season, potentially in this game. I don't know exactly how many turnovers he had himself, but he had a lion's share of that 17. He had four, he only he was only given four turnovers officially. It felt like eight. it did feel <laughs> it did feel like a lot more, but he was only officially given four turnovers. Yeah, the the turnovers Lipsy had four, Holmes had four, Kalsha had four, and Grill had three. That's most of them. Yeah, I mean. It was just a complete and utter collapse. 
I was calm. I was relaxed for most of that game. I was just laying on the couch, chilling. And then all of a sudden I was standing on a chair at the end of regulation because it was, I was, it was quite I was an intense pacing at the end of regulation and into overtime. Uh, I, the, the thing that's frustrating is at some point, this team needs to learn to get a little less handsy. Now I, I did see some, conspiracies out there people saying you know how does a team have 22 fouls in the second half that just doesn't happen sure a home team will get a they few haven't watched that calls. many iowa state games <laughs> right sure sure a home team can get some extra foul calls sometime uh look at ku and and all their home games in allen yeah. Fieldhouse. there's a lot of fouls that are like whoa or a lot of non-calls that you know going the other way but at some point in this game, you got to learn to keep your hands up, not throw your body into the defender, and A, just stop shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, come on. The 17 turnovers is inexcusable on the road if you want to win. You had a lead, and we were still launching a lot of shots from the outside, and clearly they weren't falling. At least well, drive it, to the except basket. For, except for Caleb Grill. We, we, we forget in that disaster, Caleb Grill went 8 of 12 from 3 in that game. There was questions on to whether he was going to play. He went 8 for 12 from 3 and scored at 24 one point, points. At one point, he was 8 of 9. Yeah. That's how, that's how hot he was. Yeah. And I think he missed a couple at the end of overtime or something that hurt his percentage. But, yeah. We forget that. And I mean, but you, you do talk about the fouls um, a little bit. But I mean, the only call that I, I disagree with that they made that I blatantly disagree with was at the end of the game, right? We had just inbounded the ball underneath our own basket to Caleb Grill. And he just gets absolutely hacked across the arm and the ball ends up getting deflected around and out of bounds. And if, if it is not a foul, giving the ball to Texas Tech was absolutely the correct call. The ball went out off Caleb Grill. But the only reason it was a loose ball is because Caleb Grill's arm got absolutely destroyed as he was catching that ball. That's the only call I disagreed with vehemently the entire second half. So it's not like I, you can just say, oh, the officials gave that game to Texas Tech. They didn't. You didn't play well enough in the second half to, to win that game. So, uh, I don't know. By the second half, I, had, I wasn't even that upset in the second half in overtime because I felt like I had just disassociated from the game completely i was just like <laughs> oh what are you gonna do i'm just <laughs> i can't engage with it otherwise i'm gonna be really really upset and like anytime i think they said it was the biggest second half lead blown not only in big 12 history but big eight history like historically bad and uh, oh it felt bad i mean y- you can say it's not a bad loss because the team we were playing and it's on the road and i get all that but any game where you're leading by 20 plus points in the second half and you lose kind of is a bad loss though uh, just by by the nature of the beast you can say whatever you want about quad one two five 19 ranked not ranked on the road like you just have to put that away if you want to be a team that goes far in march it is what it is we're getting better hopefully but i didn't love to see that and i hope we don't see it again yeah i mean and to me this is this has been a theme. Second halves have been a problem for this team the entire season, right? You think about it. Big lead against Oklahoma State. 
that's a game you lost. Big lead against Oklahoma on the road, and you very and you almost gave that one away, right? This team has had a lot of big leads turn into close games or losses. I mean, I get it. It's hard to win on the road in the Big 12. But if, if you get out to a double-digit lead at halftime, you better win that game. I don't care who you're playing or where you are. If you're leading by double digits at halftime, you better win it. Especially with our defense. Like, it should be something that we can figure out. We know our offense isn't the best, but slow it down, grind it out, look for points inside, and rely on your defense. It should be a reason. Like, our team is built to protect leads. So it's weird that we are so bad at doing that. I, I haven't analyzed it enough to see why. Do we get too conservative with our shot selection and end up just taking bad shots late in the shot clock because we pass up better ones earlier when we get ahead? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. To, to me, we, we don't seem – last year the problem obviously was we couldn't handle the full court press. Now that was a little bit of a problem against Texas Tech, but I don't see this team – this team definitely doesn't have um, quite the same problems – um, against pressure that last year's team has, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's definitely better. I mean, it helps to have three players that I trust um, with the ball in their hands in the backcourt instead of one last year. So last year I only trusted Hunter with the ball. This year I'll trust Lipsy, Holmes, and Kalsher with the ball because Kalsher's just playing with so much more confidence this year than last year. So, but yeah. Something's, something's wrong with the way this team plays in the second half. Um, and I'll, I'll jump ahead. It almost reared its ugly head against Kansas, too, right? You're up 12 at halftime, and all of a sudden, Kansas is on a run, and it's a five-point game early in the second half. Now, this time they managed to, to stop the bleeding and recover, and the game was really never in doubt for most of the second half. That's how close the margin was for it being another second-half collapse from the Cyclones um, against Kansas, right? And again, the outcome was never in doubt, um, really, but they scared, they scared you for a second. Kirsten was watching it with me, and she was like, they're doing it again. They're doing the exact same thing again. And I was just like, shush, shush, I don't want to hear it. Don't say it out loud. We're all thinking it, but don't want to hear it. But I mean... Yeah, Kansas only led once in that entire game at three to two. That was the only lead KU had the entire night. Um, Jalen Wilson got twenty six, but the Cyclones shut down pretty much everybody else. Grady Dick only had seven. He only attempted four threes, um, which we did a great job um, running him off the three point line, which you have to do for him if he wants to beat you on mid range twos. Let him do that. You got to run him off the three point line. But yeah, it was just an all-around great bounce-back performance. Um, Trey King finally had the half that I'd been waiting for since I saw him first against Western Michigan. He looked unstoppable in that first half. Granted, he backed it up by not scoring at all in the second half. But for that first half, he was everything I expected him to be when I first saw him play. I'll say that's better than most of his games where he doesn't do that in either half. So I'll take half over nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, very big thing that happened in this game for us is that we got Jazz Kuntz back. Uh, before this, he hadn't even participated in a full practice, and we started the day thinking he was not good to go. And then, what would you guys say, 25 minutes before tip? Uh, we see a tweet come out that I can't remember who it was from. Uh, but uh, just as expect Jazz to play, and he did. Played 11 minutes. Uh, they weren't exactly the most 
productive minutes. It, it, it was the most Jazz Kuntz game ever, though, right? I, he, he, he had four fouls. Yep. He missed all three of his all shots. Of his shots. But, he, but he also drew three charges. And the first thing he does when he gets back from having a broken hand in the game is just get hit right in the mouth immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no foul call either, I don't think. Yep. They just let him get elbowed in the face. <laughs> yeah, he took three charges. He had another steal, so he was responsible for four KU turnovers just himself. He had an assist. Um, he did miss all three of his threes, but I expect that to improve as he just gets more shots up again. We know he's a decent three-point shooter. I think on the season, he's our best three-point shooter. Maybe not after this game, but for a while, he was our highest percentage three-point shooter and technically our best rebounder as well. So big deal to get him back in the game. He did have zero rebounds in this game. There, yeah. there was a couple times I, I saw it. Him and Caleb Grill both went up for a rebound, and Grill gets it and looks at him like, what are you doing? I'm a rebounder now. What are you doing? <laughs> and maybe you don't want to rebound as much with a still maybe sore hand, so I could see maybe just boxing out and letting other guys get that. Yeah. I mean, Jazz lost his opportunity, right? Caleb Grill's like, no, I, these are my stats now, and I'm not giving them back to you. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I, even once Koontz is healthy, I still expect us to keep rolling with the same starting five we have been, right? So originally, um, Koontz was starting over Kalsha. Um, with the way Kalsha's playing, he, he only had eight points against Kansas, but still, with the way he's playing, you can't really take him out at this out of the starting lineup at this point, right? He, he arguably has been your best player in conference. Yeah. And one of the best players at cross-conference play, too, just in general, um, so far this season, out of any team, right? So it's hard to replace him. Also, TJ is one where, unless someone gets hurt, he just keeps it rolling, right? These are the five guys. I'm going to start the same five guys. Why Why fix a wheel that isn't broken, right? Yeah, for sure. And... That's what I would say, too. One thing that I did notice in the rotation, right, we saw no Watson and no award at all. We only played eight guys. Um, so Kuntz essentially absorbed both of their minutes, which sort of makes sense. He, he's, uh, he's listed as a forward, but he can definitely stretch out and take the minutes. I'm not, I'm not upset that he took both of their minutes. I'd prefer if he took more of Jones's minutes. There was still... Uh, too many Robert Jones minutes for my liking. He had 17 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how it changed the rotation some, but only at the back end of the rotation. I mean, Grill still played 37 minutes. Kalsha still played 32 minutes. Holmes, 32. Lipsy, 32. So I, it gave some of our guards a little bit more of a rest. But other than that, it hasn't changed a whole lot. So it's good to see him back. Um, the other thing, the other thing I wanted to note for this game is Kyle. You mentioned um, against Texas Tech that Lipsy did not have a good game. He absolutely redeemed himself um, in this game. He had uh, nine points, eight rebounds, and ten assists um, in that game, and he only turned the ball over twice. I will take I will take that stat line every day from Tame and Lipsy. Now I'd prefer if it came on less than nine shots, um, but at least two of those were somewhat meaningless threes late in the game. So I'm not too concerned about his number of shots, but 
Yeah. If he can be that facilitator, we don't need him to we, – we do need him to shoot a little bit better from three, but he does not need to be a high-volume scorer if he can be a, a five to ten assists a game guy. Well, and he he also had a huge play, I believe. forget when it, it was – yeah, it was in the first half, I, I think, there, where he uh, – Caleb Grill had a steal, right? Caleb Grill went down, missed the layup. Taman Lipsy, when Grill was about to shoot that ball, was not even in frame on the camera. He comes racing in, hustle play, is able to grab that loose ball rebound, somehow acrobatically flip it up. I'm not sure how that shot went in. I don't either. That's not even the only time, right? He had another putback where he was way behind the three-point line. I don't remember who shot it originally, but he just came out of nowhere. No defender even saw him, and he just put it back up and in. I mean... Yeah, plays are big deals. It's just good awareness and good reflexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other difference, right, between uh, this last game was the fouls, right? We talked about it. Um, 29 fouls against Texas Tech, just 19 against Kansas. And what, only six of them, seven of them were in the first half again? As I said, that first half was like 35 minutes. It's crazy fast. We. This is a team that... Right. The, the, the two worst um, parts of this team are how little we get to the free throw line and how often our opponents get to the free throw line. Th- those are literally the two worst parts of this team. If we can and I don't even need us to get to the free throw line more. Like I don't look at that and be like it's a glaring weakness. We just if we can keep teams from shooting 30 free or 20 free throws in a game, we're going to win. We're going to win more often than not. So, Yeah, uh, and Bill Self had a comment after the game um, in his press conference where he said, Iowa State did a lot to make us like play poorly, and we did not do a lot to, to alter the way that they played the game today. So Bill Self essentially alluding to Iowa State's dominance over KU in that game. Um, very unlike KU in some of their games recently. I mean, Jalen Wilson is their guy, and he still did what he normally does. But outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of help from like Dewan Harris uh, and and some of that other supporting cast. But I mean, overall, it was a, it was a great bounce back, right? That's that's what we needed to see. We needed a bounce back performance after the Texas Tech loss, and and they provided it. So. No complaints there. Any other thoughts on on this week's games? No. Bad game, good game. Yeah. And that's the way it's been for about the last month for this team. Yeah. And I have I have a question like for all of us to ponder. I uh, I did I saw this on Twitter. Um and the the question here is this, is there a more statistically unusual team than Iowa State in their resume so far this season? They have played 15 Power 6 games. Six games are against teams with current winning conference records. This was before the KU game. So then that's seven. Uh, they are six and one with only a two point loss in Allen Fieldhouse. And their other nine games, they are four and five with three blowout losses. Right. So it, and I guess now I, that number has shifted a little bit without the Texas Tech stat because this is a little old, but. I, it, it fits the, the theme of this season is we've played up to a lot of good competition, but then we seem to 
try and play down to other competition and it doesn't work. Now, I get Caleb Grill being hurt was huge for Oklahoma State and Missouri, right? Those two, those two games. But then Texas Tech obviously is a big, uh, a big gut punch. The game against Iowa, we just ran into a team that, you know, could hit every single shot from like it seemed like 300 meters out, <laughs> a very small target. That's how lucky, or not lucky. That's how on they were that night. And then, you know, in the other games, we just aren't competitive. It it has been weird, but I mean, it's not like we've just been squeaking by or getting lucky against those top teams. Yeah. Sure, sure against TCU, it took the buzzer, buzzer beater from Calcia, but we were better than Texas at home. We were better than K-State at home, and we were better than KU at home. And we were better than Baylor at home. And yes. Baylor was ranked highly at that point, too. And they still are. Baylor, Baylor is a top 15 team right now in the AP poll, too. So they've just been quietly hanging. They've been doing like the same thing Iowa State has. They're just quietly hanging around. Nobody's talking about them as as one of the best teams, but they they've just quietly been in the top fifteen. And I miss I miss Texas all of a sudden being like five again. I was like Texas. Obviously, I've not been paying attention. They did win at K State on Saturday, and that yep. that's what yep. vaulted them up. They got a big game at KU um, coming up here in about half an hour. Um, that might be good to watch if y'all are yeah, looking for something to do for after sure. this this stream. Go watch that game. I'm going to watch hockey personally, but we really handled them when we played them, so I was surprised to see them that high again. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that that's that's kind of the summary of the team this season. I I think you know it'll it'll be an interesting week this week as you have some quote unquote lesser opponents, right? They're not those top dogs that you're that are coming into your home Coliseum and saying, all right, we got to go out and beat these guys. This is a huge game, big crowd environment. I mean, what it was freezing cold Saturday morning and that line was completely encircling Hilton Coliseum of students waiting to get into, in to watch that game. So I, I know that we say the competition is, isn't as great. It's the big 12 though. Every team is basically great in the net rankings but west virginia and osu this week that's the slate but 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 it depends on your definition of of not great right i've got the bartovic pulled up here west virginia is 18th and oklahoma state is 22nd both of which are ahead of kansas state believe it or not in the bartovic so not great i think is is underselling um these teams west virginia on the road wouldn't I don't think the official line is out for it yet, but we're not going to be favored in that game. Not no. We're probably going to be three or four-point underdogs in that game, for sure. We won't be favored in a road game for the rest of the year. Um, You're right. We probably won't. I mean, we weren't even favored at Texas Tech. We were yeah. point-and-a-half underdogs at Texas Tech. So you're right. We're not going to be favored in a road game. So, yeah, if we were going to be, it would have been that one. So. Unless you're playing in a road game and they have three starters injured or something wild like that. Right. It, I suppose it's just not if something happen. ridiculous happens, we could be, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so West Virginia this week, um, 6 p.m. on Wednesday on ESPN2, and then home game against OSU, 5 p.m. on ESPN on Saturday. Big week. Let's, let's, go, let's go 2 and 0 this week. Yeah. That'd be great. But I mean, but realistically, you go one and one. We'll be again. We'll be like th- we're eleventh in the AP poll this week. We'll probably be like twelfth with another one and one week. And 
right? As, as frustrating as this season's been at times, right? The conference record for Iowa State right now, Iowa State is uh, in second place in the Big 12 at 7-3. and three. Do you remember what the conference record last year was for Iowa State? Seven and eleven, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this team I was, was going to say we were, we were, uh, we were in a sub five hundred conference record team last year. I didn't know if it was eight and ten or what, what it was. Yeah, I believe yeah. we were seven and eleven in conference last. So this team is already has has as many conference wins as last year's team did. The the frustration with the season has been very minimal for me. Like we've played well, we've had a couple losses that aren't great. I've been able to make excuses for it. We've had injuries. Every team we play is good. Like, it's been pretty good. I've been pretty happy with it overall. There's, there's nothing real, nothing significant to complain about when your team is number 11th in the nation, when they're projected to be number seven in the, number eight right. in the conference. Yeah. I, I think the, the one takeaway that I was finally able to come to terms with after that Texas Tech loss was this team is good, if not great, but this team is not quite yet ready to win the Big 12 like the Big 12 regular season it is the summary that I would take away from this week, right? You're, you win your good home games. You're really going to struggle on the road occasionally. In order to win the Big 12, especially with how good all of these teams are and all of these coaches are, is you're going to have to win a lot of ro- tough road games too. And I'm not exactly sure this team's quite yet ready to like hoist that Big 12 regular season champion at the end. What what do we think is the record that is gonna gonna at least share a conference title? Thirteen and five, yeah, right. Five losses. That probably yeah. seems, seems reasonable, right? Maybe six losses. I mean, there's a lot of tough games coming up for a lot of these teams going forward. I mean, look at Iowa State's record right now. Uh, we've played most of our tough games at home so far. We've still got K State on the road, Texas on the road, Baylor on the road. Uh, you got to get through all those games to end the season as well, right? But so, but if you're looking at at five conference losses, right at at thirteen and five, getting you there, if you defend home court like Iowa State has done against almost all of the toughest opponents, right? The remaining home games are again, this is relative because I just talked about Oklahoma State and West Virginia, but the remaining home games are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and TCU, right? The Big Twelve is tough, but that's those are the weaker teams in the conference right so you and that's saying tcu's a weak team which currently ap 15 this week i've got 17 17. okay yeah yeah i think there were 15 last week there's a very decent chance that now this team can go could go undefeated in hilton right which means to get to 13 and 5 you got to find a way to win four road games They've already got two because they already beat Oklahoma and TCU on the road. So if you can defend Hilton and find a way to win two road games down the stretch, right? it's not out of the question. Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially if you if one of those road games happens to be at Texas, then you're in very good shape. Not saying that's going to be easy. We're going to be major underdogs at Texas. But if you win that game, you're in business. Yeah, I think you can say maybe the team isn't ready, but the way that the conference shapes up this year, I don't see anybody that I say that it's that team instead. Like, I think any of those top, basically five teams in the conference, I feel like they have a decent decent chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could, I know KU is the second highest ranked team in the conference, but you could easily make a case that they're actually the fifth best team right now, right? 
you could say that Texas, Iowa State, K-State, and Baylor are all better. And you wouldn't be out of line. I probably wouldn't say Baylor, but you can make an argument about the other three for sure. I mean, Baylor absolutely stomped him in Waco. We'll see what That's happens true. in Lawrence. But but if we're going by just stomp outs, there have been a weird amount of them. Yeah, that KU team looked horrible in Waco, but, you know, could have been a, a bad night and a bad matchup. That was KU was reeling a bit at that point. Yeah, three straight hey. losses. Yeah. Which, again, the Cyclones have avoided. It would have been very easy for that TCU loss to turn into a long losing streak, and that was a nice rebound. Um, I won't belabor the point anymore. We've, we've already been talking about men's basketball for like 35 minutes, and you all are probably like, when are they going to talk about the Super Bowl? So we'll move on here. Um, quickly, just talking about the women's team. Um, it was not a good week whatsoever for the women's team. It was a little bit unfortunate to see. They lost by one at K-State and then got beat by six at home against Baylor. And the part about this is, is KU is a K, or sorry, K-State is a bad basketball team. They're three and eight in conference. That's a game even on the road you've got to have if you're going to be a top team in this conference. And Baylor is, is good, but they're not as good as they have been in previous years. They're unranked. Even after beating us, they're not in the top 25. You still got to defend your home court. And that's one, really those are two games you needed to have if the women's team was going to go the places we hoped they would at the beginning of the year. Now, they're still fourth in the conference. They're still 21st in the nation. They're still going to go to the NCAA tournament, unless Ashley Jones gets hurt, of course. Um, but now they're looking maybe at a five seed, right? In which case, you've got to go on the road for your first and second round tournament games instead of having them in Hilton, right? The path to a Sweet 16 gets a lot harder if you can't recover and get up to that number four line. That's what I'm looking for for the women's team is can they recover and get to that four seed? That's what I want to see. If they can do that, that that's the goal at this point. And it's unfortunate that it's fallen to that point, but, but that's what it is. They only have one game um, this week, and that's going to be Saturday, 5 p.m. at West Virginia. Um, they have a, a little midweek off week here. Um, so we'll see. And – in the end, the net rankings are still quite favorable to the Iowa State women. They're, they're 12th um, in the net rankings still, so that probably buoys them up to a four seed for now. But they got to stop the bleeding and got to start winning some of these games. So, any questions about the women's team? No, just a little bit of a disappointing season for sure. This is a team we thought would be a one or a two seed coming into the season, and it's been a little bit the, the opposite of the men's team where we have such high, high hopes, and it's they're not a bad team at all, obviously. They're still a good team. They're top 25 ranked. It's just the expe- the expectations were so high going into the season. And obviously, injuries have hurt us a lot as well, but you'd like to see them perform a little bit better. This, this women's team was up to number five in the nation at one point. Yeah. So and That wasn't surprising either. That was no, more or less. They expected. started at eight. Yeah. Yeah. So... So we will see how the rest of the season comes out. But Kyle, do we have a big game coming up this weekend? Uh, Rumor has it there is um, a really big game coming up this week. You know, something, something Super Bowl. Uh, It is it is the Kelsey Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl. And uh, it is officially Super Bowl 57 out in the desert in Arizona. 
uh, teams have landed out there. It is media week this week. Um, all of your, all, all of the, you know, media members are out there right now. The Pat McAfee show is streaming live the entire week out there, uh, from the site in, uh, well, it's in what Glendale, Arizona is where that stadium is actually located. So, uh, Andy Reed bowl. If, if all of our listeners aren't familiar, you know, Andy Reed, former coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni was not uh, kept on Reed's staff in 2012. Nick Sirianni, now the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, The Kelsey Bowl, Jason Kelsey Center, All-Pro Center for the Philadelphia Eagles. Travis Kelsey, All-Pro tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Tons of accolades that, that follow both of them. This should be a really interesting one. And actually, like today, uh, I saw this um, stat from Field Yates. Uh, the Chiefs this year, and this goes to show how how big this this game is, like how competitive this matchup should be. The Chiefs this year, 16-3 and three overall record. Uh, the Eagles this year, 16-3 and three overall record. Uh, Chiefs, 546 points scored. Eagles, 546 points scored. Chiefs, six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. Uh, the Eagles this year, six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. AFC's number one seed versus the NFC's number one seed. So two heavy hitters, right, going at it in the Super Bowl. This is, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles were the top dog throughout the season. The Chiefs were trying to be that top dog. Early loss to the Buffalo Bills kind of put, you know, questions around will they make that number one overall seed? But they did, uh, and that's what it is shaping up to be. I think it's going to be a very good matchup. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the the Eagles' offensive line and defensive line really being the strength of those teams. Uh, the Chiefs' defensive line is a, is a key area to watch going into this game. Uh, this is going to be the Eagles' best defensive line that they will have faced all season with exception to the San Francisco 49ers last week. So, you know, something a little bit to to keep an eye on. How will that offensive line hold up? They got a little banged up and dinged up towards the end of the season. Is Jalen Hurts 100% healthy? We don't know. Uh, We don't know if he was healthy even in that NFC Championship game. He didn't have a lot of true touch on his deep balls. Uh, in that game, lots of overthrows there. So that will be an interesting development against this very, very young Chiefs secondary. Uh, keep an eye out on will Legereus Sneed be able to play? He was in the concussion protocol, still has yet to be cleared for this game. But keep in mind, there was two weeks in between uh, the championship games and the Super Bowl. So a little, little bit more time to recover. Uh, from an injury like that. And then obviously Patrick Mahomes ankle has been a huge topic of conversation. He has come out and said that there was no additional damage from the AFC championship game. I don't believe that. I think it's probably a little bit worse, but as you can tell, that was his, you know, quote unquote flu game. Maybe we'll see what he does in this game in the Super Bowl. He's going to be amped up on adrenaline. That thing's not going to hurt. But in the second half, when that adrenaline starts wearing off, we'll see see really how that pans out. But for all of our hosts here, and 
we'll let, have a little bit of commentary. Anyone else have any additional things to point out? Otherwise, we will go through and predict the game and the scores. I mean, to me, again, the story is going to be the sort of similar as it was in the AFC Championship game. It's going to be the Eagles' pass rush against Patrick Mahomes' ankle, right? Can they um, keep Pat Mahomes close enough and contain him enough that they can do enough on defense to win this game? That's a story. If Mahomes can move around and avoid the pressure or they don't generate it to begin with, then um, the, the Chiefs are going to win this game. Otherwise, the Eagles have a pretty good shot, in my opinion. Right now, I have nothing else to add. They're just like, yeah, Michael and Kyle are geniuses. They get everything. I else. don't know. The Eagles probably have the best roster to the bottom. They just don't really have any big weaknesses. But I, if Patrick Mahomes is one hundred percent Patrick Mahomes, uh, you it's hard to bet against him, right? Like I always said with Tom Brady, don't bet against Tom Brady until he loses, and he doesn't lose. So. If, if he's healthy and all his receivers are healthy, you know, I feel more comfortable going with Kansas City than the Eagles. They're proven. They're battle-tested. They've won a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts has had one good year as a starter, It just this year. Like, everybody's trying to anoint him a top-five quarterback already. I am not ready for that. You got to do it more than, a, you know, not even a full season with the injury. It'll be interesting to see. For what it's worth, the Chiefs do seem to be all collectively a little bit more healthy this season going into the Super Bowl than last year, or two years ago, I should say. So, for what it's worth there. Wyatt, any thoughts? Your prediction? There's not a thought behind these eyes. I like Kansas City going into this game either way. Um, I, I think Pat Mahomes, even injured, um, will put up a good fight against philadelphia's defense so um are we good to go predictions i have nothing else to give analytical wise though one one last thing and then we can get to the chat uh for what it's worth ea sports uh did its simulation <laughs> of the super bowl ea sports in in the past 18 super bowls has accurately predicted 13 of 18 games so that's pretty significant in the past uh, five EA years sports did one correct <laughs> That's that is true. So uh, recency bias can influence some decisions there. But I mean, 13 of 18 is pretty significant. And they did pick the Eagles to win this game. Is that even st statistically significant over average, though? An octopus would get nine out of 18, right? Is 13 out of 18 the st statistically significant amount to say they're better than guessing? It's just educated guessing, right? They just do a thing in a computer, uh, you know. I don't know. You know, the fact that they've gotten 13 of 18 right, but they've only gotten one of five recently kind of just goes with the general trend of how Madden has stopped getting better and kind of sucks now. So that makes sense. <laughs> uh, do, the, do they have the NFL script, though, for this season? Oh, the like, script. was that Probably. downloaded? Spe I speaking of Madden, I, I found my old copy of Madden 2001 for PC. Oh, thinking about installing i don't know i haven't installed it yet i don't even know if it'll run on a modern Robot. computer but i did did find it so we'll, we'll see maybe i'll install that and let we'll simulate this super bowl with the 2001 teams and i'll let you know who's gonna win madden 2001 had eddie george on the cover <laughs> that's a throwback right there 
Yeah, in, in the chat, we had somebody say that the big mismatch with the Phillies linebackers and Travis Kelsey would be a big matchup. Well, I can see that being true. I haven't seen a linebacker that's been able to stop Travis Kelsey like ever really for a whole game. He's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll bet on Kelsey for sure. I, I think Kelsey's there was a stat that before the AFC championship has passed, um, you know, seven playoff appearances. He had something like eight touchdowns and six out of seven of them. He had a hundred plus receiving yard campaigns in there. So playoff Travis Kelsey is a little hard to stop uh, for really any of the best teams in the NFL at that He's point. He's tied for second postseason, like everything receiving, like everything <laughs> behind Jerry Rice, yeah, the like, greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> wild. Uh, so without further ado, for all of us, well, I guess we also have in the chat, the Eagles have talent, but they don't, they didn't really beat anyone to get there. Interesting take. No offense to one armed Brock Purdy. I've got KC. So there you have it. I, I mean, that's an interesting take saying that the Eagles really haven't beaten anyone to get to get there, I mean, they beat the, they, they, I mean, he's they beat the giant in the playoffs. They beat the giants who were garbage. Yeah, they looked horrible in that game, and I don't know how Minnesota loses to them. I, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But along the same vein, the 49ers were garbage too after Brock. Right, and, and, and that's the point. Do. Yeah, that I wouldn't say that's a hot take. That that's the truth. If you're talking yeah. just playoffs. Yeah, they have had the easiest path to get to the Super Bowl of anybody who could have got to the Super Bowl, for sure. Even with a backup uh, Johnson as, in, as your quarterback, it was, it was tied, tied going to seven, seven at one point. So, yeah. And then they, they got up big once you put a quarterback in that literally could not throw the ball, which you're never going to win a game. You know, they say you got to set up the run game to get the pass game going and vice versa. You don't want to be too one dimensional. They literally couldn't do that. <laughs> like they were literally one dimensional. Yeah. And then your defense can't stop anything because your defense is gassed because they yeah, played so the whole game. So plus they're probably feeling a little down by the fact that they don't have a quarterback anymore. Yeah. All righty. So the, the four of us, and then for all of our listeners out there who do want to vote in the chat, go ahead uh, while we make our predictions, starting with Mike, who you got. I know you alluded oh, to I it, to but first. Yeah, you have to go doing, first. Uh, prediction order. Prediction and score. Yeah, because I copped out last week. That's why you're going to make yes. me go first this week. Yes. Uh, this is a tough one. Give me, boy, give me Philadelphia, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Give me Philadelphia 31-24. I think FPI has it at about a coin flip right now, so it's definitely tough. Wyatt? I have Kansas City 29-23. Interesting score. Arian? Kansas City 27-24. Okay. Uh, Deckard Warlock in chat first time chat thank you kansas city there's a there's another kc prediction proper bubbles also has kc and then uh seven or i, I don't know who that you, is you, guys so Whoever, you know who you are i've got kc so a lot of kc in the chat 
as as the hometown team, you know who I'm going with. I have KC 35 to 31 wow. in an offensive juggernaut. Uh you know, showdown and not nothing quite like the, the KC LA Rams game a couple years back where <laughs> that that was thing, quite a there was nothing but offense. Um, but yeah, this, this should be a, a high scoring affair. I think you got, got another chat. Our JD Barner, 10 Kansas city. We have a very big Kansas city uh, bias here, apparently, which is interesting because all of the media seems to be, on the way Eagles. on the keep, keep in side. mind that our tagline is your favorite midwestern based sports podcast so we generally That's attract midwestern based fans which you're not wrong Kansas city is yeah it's market. not the south kyle even if you try to tell yourself you're from the south you're not from the south in kansas city it's the midwest <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative it's very far south compared to canada uh, yeah. yeah it's also very far north compared to like mexico so <laughs> so there you go those are our predictions it looks like um it's uh overwhelmingly did we write those down anywhere no no so we can look back at that eh, we'll remember more or less yeah Bas- basically i am the only one who picked philadelphia and everybody else thinks kansas City. <laughs> yeah, just said, we all hate philly philly also hates everyone so it all <laughs> works out i think philadelphia is gonna philadelphia or if philadelphia wins the true winner of that super bowl is is uh i guess sorry i said that wrong if philadelphia loses the true winner are all philadelphia light poles and uh street lights those things will not come crashing down and people will not fall down off of those so nah, they'll grease them It'll they be might fine. they might still just out of anger climb that light post out of anger Did, so in other nfl news real quick did anyone watch the Pro Bowl games this this past I, weekend? I watched a little bit of the replay of the dodgeball because it happened to be on when Kirsten and I were eating lunch on Sunday. That was okay. it, though. So apparently I also some of the, the players... Kate Manning running out and yelling at the, the official for something. I, I did see that. The flag football section. So the flag football watched a few minutes there. Uh could say that i was very uninterested what do Um, offensive linemen do there's just a center there's just a center who snaps the ball so everybody else who made the pro bowl they don't do anything (laughs) yep they were in the skills were they playing five on five or six Uh, on six it was it was six on six well Okay, what's your definition of that? There was one center, one quarterback, one running back, and then four receivers. So that's more than six on six. Then. Seven. Yeah, it's seven on seven. seven? Yeah. yeah, seven. But the center, obviously, his job is just snap the football. Well, everybody's an eligible receiver in fight football. That's the best part. Yeah, except for the center. I mean, the way, the way my league plays, literally everybody's an eligible receiver. Literally anybody can catch the pass anytime they want. It's great. Unless you play defense, then it's not great. Great for you. I mean, I play defense, so it's not. <laughs> oh, I meant, you know, you can catch the ball too on oh, defense. That's, that's true. I can't. I mean, the defense is all can always catch Doing the ball. Doing interception. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, no, I didn't watch any of the Pro Bowl. I don't know. I didn't watch any of it at all. 
it I'm sure it was great. Good job, been worse than what they used to do. Yes, that's true. In, any other, anything else you want to get on the record in the chat or anything for the Super Bowl? Somebody got laid out, which seems weird for flag that, football. I'm the, not sure why we're doing Jalen that. Penalty. <laughs> it was Jalen Ramsey, though, so that <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. That's fair. Yeah, so I mean, if we're we're good to go, we'll move on from one exhibition where people don't try that hard to uh, talking about another exhibition where there maybe is not as much effort. Uh, the NBA in the past week. Uh, they announced all of their reserves for the All-Star game. So we'll just kind of cover that real quick. Your captains for the All-Star teams are LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, your remaining starters uh, for the West, Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson, Stephen Curry, and Luka Doncic. And then for the East, you have Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, both Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant will miss that game with injury. So we'll see what it looks like with replacements there. Uh, for the West, your reserves are Paul George, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, Laurie Markkinen, John Morant, and Demonis Sabonis. And then in the East, you have Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. Um, as always, we have these lists of your biggest snubs. I'm not a huge fan of, it's not a snub. There just aren't that many spots. There are a lot of good players in the league and there aren't that many spots. You can make an argument they should increase it because when they started the All-Star game, there were less roster spots than there are now. So you could argue you should put two more roster spots on each side, but it's not that way. So people are going to miss it every year and websites are going to put out articles to try and make people mad and get engagement. But your biggest snubs, if you want to call them that, Anthony Edwards and De'Aaron Fox from the West are two guys who probably had a very good case, especially when you're looking at, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Paul George missed a decent amount of time this year. So if that's your argument, you have a case. Uh, Anthony Davis and Devin Booker have been really, really good this year, but they also missed a bunch of time. So you're looking at that in the West. And then in the East, you have, in my opinion, probably is a snub. James Harden should have made this game. Uh, He did not. But James Harden, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson, all having good years. Trey Young and Pascal Siakam, I saw some people talking about making it, but their teams are just not good. Like, you can put up numbers, but if your team's not doing that well, you're probably not going to make the All-Star game. Trey Young will never not put up numbers. That doesn't mean he's contributing to winning basketball, though. Um, so that's your general teams. Uh, I don't know if anybody has any thoughts about it. I mean, you're, you're going to get to this in a second, um, but Kyrie yeah. got traded, which you'll talk about, but he got traded from the yes, east he got traded from the east to the west. Presumably he can't play That's for the accurate. east and the all what what happens? Is there what's the procedure for this? That's a good question. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I assume he will still play for the East starters because that is where he got voted in. That's that's weird. But definitely funky. Like, yeah, I'm what are you supposed to do? I'm just gonna, you can't kick somebody off the I'm west just side. Play against my new teammate in the all-star game yeah like, hey sorry know. steph curry uh yeah, yeah steph's injury replacement is just Kyrie. we just put him in I that mean, spot sure, why not and then throw james harden in on the east and everyone's happy yeah that would be weird uh you know what i'll have to look into if that's ever happened before it wouldn't shock me if that has happened in the past but then again it's not super common you're trading an all-star starter 
But yeah, as you might have noticed, uh, Kyrie Irving got traded this week. Um, like we said, all-star starter. Those guys are usually pretty darn good, so you want to keep them on your team. However, as in all things, Kyrie Irving's brain, uh, while it is very good at basketball, uh, just makes it hard to work with him as a person. <laughs> um, he put in his trade request on Friday. Uh, and said that since he didn't get the extension he wanted to, he wanted to be traded before the trade, de- trade deadline, which is this Thursday at 2 p.m. Central, in case you were wondering. So less than a week, he's like, trade me, or I'm not going to come back uh, in the summer. So basically you have... So one second in there. In his contract negotiation for the Nets, is it true? I saw some rumors about this. I don't know if they're actually credibly or, credible or not. Was it true that the Nets put in the contract rumors that he needed to win a championship? I haven't heard that. Um, the only thing I had heard as far as stipulation goes is some playing time stuff. I didn't hear anything about winning a championship. I can't imagine that being in the contract. That would be very strange. Well, if- I mean, the Arizona Cardinals put in Kyler Murray's contract rumored that right but that's something he can control right you can control that (laughs) i hadn't heard that maybe that's the case but that sounds more like a rumor that maybe Kyrie's camp would put out um somebody in the chat also said there were incentives and stipulations but doesn't know what they are i haven't heard civics either but he basically said trade me now or i'm not resigning in the summer so you can either get some for me now or you can get nothing for me later so now the nets have no leverage to trade him but they also have to trade him because they need to get something back. And then people were talking about maybe try and keep him and see if you can win him over for the rest of the year by playing well. Now you get rumors coming out that he might just have to sit out for the rest of the season. He might get a little calf strain, you know, back spasms, and basically sit out the rest of the season. So now they really forced his hand, uh, and he was traded over the weekend to the Dallas Mavericks. Um the Mavericks, oh, I, I put a little note in here. After he got flipped to the Mavericks, uh, LeBron James very, very melodramatically tweeted out in the style of a teenage middle school girl who didn't get asked to prom. Maybe it's me, he said. As one single tear rolls down his cheek as he listens to Avril Lavigne. Maybe, maybe it is you when you go out and say, hey, I want to play with Russell Westbrook. Trade away all the young guys. Look, you traded away Kyle Kuzma. I get it. You guys didn't necessarily get along too well, didn't play well together. Uh, But then you get rid of Contavious Caldwell-Pope, right, who was pretty instrumental in their uh, whatever, their bubble championship, right? Uh, You get rid of uh, Harrell, Montrez Harrell, right? Garbage. He's, he's serviceable awful. in the he's NBA. Horrible. He doesn't even get minutes anymore, I don't think. He's off. I, he was fine that season, but he's but bad they now. they trade away all the young pieces, and now Rob Palenka is left with, what do you want me to do? I got a Russell, I got a Russell Westbrook contract that I can't even get rid of. I'm going to push back on you on this, because uh, LeBron James, first of all, LeBron James and Anthony Davis wanted DeMar DeRozan to start. And the front office said they couldn't do that. So then they got Russell Westbrook. So now we're talking, they, they made him go get Russell Westbrook, but they couldn't make him go get DeMar DeRozan. He, they do every single thing he wants, but they can't go get Kyrie Irving. It seems like they blame LeBron for every single thing that's wrong with the roster. It's not his job 
if you don't want to do it at the front office, don't do it. And there have been situations where they don't do what he obviously wants. He's been very upset this season about the roster construction, complained about it multiple times, haven't really done much other than getting Rui Achimura. Uh, it seems like somehow LeBron being LeBron has given Rob Polinka an out when Rob Polinka just kind of sucks at his job. He just does. He's not been that good. They had a good team that they paid well. And, you know, they had Caruso. They had Contavious Caldwell Pope, all these guys. And then they just traded them all away. And for no real reason, they everybody knows the formula. LeBron, big guy, shooters. That's what you do. It works every single time. And they screwed it up the first time by putting a bunch of ball handlers around LeBron who couldn't shoot. That didn't work. Switched it to the thing that did work. And then they just went back to something that didn't work. If you are, if it's your job to make those decisions, make the decisions. It's not LeBron's job. He can complain if he wants to, but it has to be your job. Uh, you know, LeBron gets a lot of pushback because he's arguably the greatest player of all time. For me, it's probably still Michael Jordan, but very, very close. Um, I don't know. I, I think it needs to be way more on the front office and way less on LeBron saying, I'd like to get this. Lots of players say, I want to get this. It's up to the front office to make that reasonable and build the team. Um, the front office of the Lakers is really wishy-washy, just no direction in general. I agree, yes. Just pushovers, basically. Um, but yeah, <laughs> to get back on track, the Mavs are going to get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris, who basically has not played this year. So pretty much just Kyrie. And then the Nets are getting Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, and a 2027 and 2029 second-round pick. Um, the Mavericks, or the Nets, for as much as they could, uh, won this trade. Obviously, you'd like to get a lot more back for Kyrie Irving when we've seen what people have got for, you know, the Gobert trade was obviously ridiculous. The DeJounte Murray trade. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell trade, all of those were so much more than what they necessarily got back for Kyrie. But when you have no leverage and when you have to do it in six days, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good return. Those teams had leverage. I mean, yeah. And the is, whole summer is Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian uh, Finney Smith. Like, are they under contract still for for a bit or? Dorian Finney-Smith is under a good contract. They both have multiple years left. Neither of them are expiring, which Kyrie is. Uh, Spencer Denwitty. You can't focus on the draft picks. Like You have to focus on the players that the Nets got in return here. Yeah. Draft picks have- in the NBA are, are... I mean, once you get past, what, the first 14 players coming out of the draft, you're like, this person may or may not work, right? It's the same all the way through, in my opinion. Lottery picks are overrated. You know, we've seen a lot of good second round players. The two time, possibly three time MVP is a second round draft pick. And Nikola Jokic, Dorian Finney-Smith, one of the best defensive wings in the league that just got traded. Second round, he might be undrafted, actually. Jalen Brunson, guy who the Mavs hadn't let go, would have been smart to re-sign him instead of having to do all this for, you know, Kyrie Irving. Also undrafted, like, or second round. Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. You can get guys deep in the draft as long as you're doing your work. I think people overestimate basically picks, depending on the draft, three 
on or six on. Like, unless you get one of those top three guys, unless you get Zion or Ja, basically, you don't know what you're going to get. But you still got a couple of years once those guys are there until you really can count on them being the guys, too. So, I mean, just because you have draft picks, like in, in the NFL, if you have draft picks, you can turn, you could potentially revamp a roster in a year. Whereas in the NBA, it does take a little bit longer. So, like, obviously, those are way out in the future draft picks, but, you know, you can't focus on draft picks as much in the NBA as you can in, you know, the NFL. And you just have to worry about what you have now because who they still have is Kevin Durant, a top five player in the NBA. He's injured right now, but you got to make sure that he feels happy to be there. Otherwise, he's going to request a trade too, and now you're hosed. Kevin Durant needs to see a team around him that he thinks he can win with. And already, I will say, this Nets thing, one of the biggest failures in NBA history, not just recent, ever. You got KD, Kyrie, James Harden all together, and you did nothing. You barely even saw them play together versus injuries and Kyrie's Vax nonsense. Like, they didn't play. It was arguably one of the best teams that's ever been put together, and you did nothing with it. People are going to talk a lot about the Clippers when they eventually break up and they didn't win anything, which will probably happen. But this Nets thing is so much worse to me because it wasn't even on the floor. It's just Kyrie was so annoying that James Harden demanded to be traded. And he swapped out James Harden for Ben Simmons, who seemingly just does not have it in him to play basketball anymore. You know, and that's a huge bummer to me because I'm I was a big Ben Simmons fan, but like he's barely a bench player with these new draft picks. If you're putting together a a lineup, he probably doesn't even start. Dorian Finney Smith gives you everything that Ben Simmons gives you almost a little bit less playmaking, but he can score. What are you going to do? And on a cheaper contract too, right? Yes. A way better contract, way better. And then for the Mavs, what are you doing? You have Luca, you had Bronson, you got rid of him. You had Ken Dinwiddie and you got rid of him. Sure, Kyrie's a better player than Dinwiddie. But you know what else Kyrie is? He's a damn basket case. Every time. He's asked for a trade three times. What's the best case scenario? You win a championship this season and then you don't re-sign him? Because if you re-sign him, he's not going to end his career there with you. He's not even going to end his his contract there with you. He's going to get upset. He's going to decide that he doesn't like what shoes look like in Texas and he demands to be traded to Utah or something nonsensical. It's ridiculous. The fact that you would ever pin your your franchise and your potential generational like top 15 all-time player to a guy who's already annoyed people so much that they have to leave the team is idiotic. And I think that they are going to regret their decision within within a year within a calendar year they will feel like they made the wrong decision what will happen is Kyrie will be normal until the end of the season play well he's already been playing well all year they'll give him a contract about six months into that contract some stupid and Kyrie is gonna happen and then we're all gonna make fun of the Mavericks and they're gonna act like how could this ever have happened we were gonna be the ones to fix him we can change him no you can't man nobody has (laughs) I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on why, it. I don't know like, if you guys have like why do that. why don't the Mavs save their their you know capital 
and go after someone who's a proven talent. I don't know if Jokic is on the table. Would I mean, he be? is and he happy in they're Denver? The one seed. They're not trading him. Yes, he is. But Jokic is not a guy who cares. He's going to stay where he is. You got to go after a guy who will actually come in and be a compliment to Luka and can help him out a bit. I mean, Kyrie can we, do that we, a little. We would have traded him cat. You also don't need you don't need a cancer inside of your locker room yep. and you literally just traded for like stage 2 cancer that's going to evolve best. into stage 3 or 4 very quickly after the end of the season. I assume their idea behind it was this is a guy. We're not going to get a level of this guy for this low. There's a reason he's that low, but obviously that's what they're thinking. And he's coming available right now. And who knows how Luca is feeling inside the franchise. If he's frustrated with the level of supporting cast, he has, they want to get somebody in there. Who's an all-star, but uh, it's going to blow up in their face. I feel reasonably confident. The wolves could, I'd be happy to be tra- wrong, The Wolves would have traded him Cat. I think the Wolves should try to trade Cat and should have traded him to Dallas. That would have been fun. Yeah, we talked about this. You and me were texting about this a little bit. You said you would rather they trade Cat than D'Angelo Russell. And I said, I agree. I'm not a huge Cat guy. You already have Gobert. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of the Two Towers lineup, which I'm, I was excited about. But if you're going to get... Yeah. yeah. But if you're going to get stuff back you're gonna get a lot more for cat than you are for d'angelo russell so you might as well give it a shot and get like a stretch four or a big combo three and d wing if you can get one mm-hmm. i doubt yeah. they do anything to be I, honest I agree, but but... To recoup some draft but now the mavs uh, like as pointed out in the chat thank you to proper bubbles uh the mavs could could have cap this summer but they unfortunately don't have physical assets anymore to trade for a better slash more reliable star to compliment Luca. I don't think it'll work, but I think it's the ultimate home run swing right now. Like I just don't are, know are the Mavs are the Mavs saying that we need to win now or we're not going to? I just don't like I look at their roster and then I look at their roster with Kyrie and I don't put them on the level of these guys are contenders now. I just don't. The, the Golden State gets their stuff together. Golden State's a better team. Memphis is probably a better team still. The Nuggets are a better team. If the Clippers could ever have all their people on the floor at one time, which maybe could happen eventually, they're a better team. Like, I just don't see them as being a top team in the West still. Like, I guess it's good to try something, but I don't know. I don't think it's enough, and I don't think it's the right move. But I guess credit for. Uh, putting your chips on the table and doing something. Fair enough. And I'm sure you'll let us know next week if any other interesting trades happen at the trade deadline. Oh, I will. We'll get some big ones probably. I think you have to prove to Luca that you're serious because there's still rumors flying that he could just want out if they don't improve uh, in the chat. I agree. But now you're just running the risk that he could want out because Kyrie is crazy. Or, you know, Kyrie leaves in the summer and they just traded his favorite teammate and Dorian Finney-Smith and a secondary ball handler. Like you just shifted the reasons he wants out. He could definitely still want out at the end of the you know year. We'll see. We will see. But in the meantime, I think we'll, we'll, we'll move on here. Ian, unless you got anything else. 
No, I'm good. Um, yeah, unless you guys have any questions about anything. Not right now. Is the off-star bike this week or is it next week? Is it one more week before the off-star bike? Uh, I think it's next week, and it's always like around Valentine's Day. Okay. I'm sure all the women love that. Just watch the NBA All-Star game during Valentine's Day. My wife does, yeah. We, I'm like, Valentine's Day, we're watching the dunk competition. Woo! <laughs> Why are you going to do that for Meg, too? Is that going to work out? No, no. Uh, she watches enough football with me. I won't make her watch basketball. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if we're done with the NBA, we'll move along to Mike's Stupid Rules, I believe. I'm going to talk about a play that happened in the NFC Championship game um, a few weeks ago because um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. And that was the punt that may or may not have hit the wire of the Skycam. Um, so what we're going to look here is we're going to look at um, the approved ruling. It doesn't really have its own section. It's it's right near approved ruling 5.15 but it's actually just in its own section called scrimmage kicks in the approved ruling. I don't know. It's not labeled very well. But anyway, what it says is, um, so this will actually cover two things. It'll cover the replay aspect of it and the rule. It specifically says, replay can also review whether a kick from scrimmage hit a scoreboard, guide wire, flag, or any other object. If it is not detected by the official on the field, the replay official can stop the game to review it at any time, including outside of the two minutes in either half. So first of all, this is an exemption to the replay booth only stopping in the final two minutes. Um, it should be noted this play can also be challenged, but um, it can also be initiated by the replay booth outside of two minutes. Um, if it is determined the ball hit an object, then the down will be replayed from the previous spot and the game clock will be reset to when the ball was snapped and started on the next snap. So essentially, if it hits the scoreboard or the camera itself or the camera wire, we just act like the play never happened and start it over. And pretty straightforward. Now, again, it, like in any replay, you need definitive video evidence that it did hit it or didn't to overturn the call on the field, right? Um, but, but yeah, you can you can review it. You can overturn it. You can do whatever you want with that one. It's a pretty pretty straightforward rule. It's just not labeled very well in the rule book. That's the only complaint I have about this one. Why? Anything to add? I'm I'm wondering if they will add some approved ruling or provision to the rule that says if the ball's like trajectory obviously changes in flight, then it hit an object or something. Because that's what happened in this game, right? You see the ball go end over end. To all of a sudden spinning in a different direction than what you're you're looking at is that enough to say that it hit something? I don't know. I, I if you don't see it hit something, it's not through. But I'm wondering if this this would change or something in the future. I don't think that it should personally. I think that was the right call. You cannot definitively say yes or no. It it did or did not hit the wire. Therefore, you can't say it hit the wire. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of my take as well. Um, as soon as you're asking them to make judgment calls on rotations of footballs, was that a wire or was it the wind? Did we just get a big wind gust up there? That you know? Did it get tipped? Yep. Did it? Yeah. Did a bird hit it? I guess. I guess any other any, was it just a any other punch? object is included in that. So I guess if a bird hit it, you'd repunt it too. But uh, okay. So yeah, there you go. That that is the clarification on that ruling from last week. 
Um, moving down to our accountability session for our write the down predictions, we don't have much this week. We only had two predictions um, come off the board um, the entire week. Both were NBA related. Both were long. The first one for me, I predicted the Wolves would have two All-Stars. Um, they did not have any. Um, as Ariane mentioned, Ant was debatably a snub. Um, and Gobert didn't have a great year, and Cat's been hurt, and those are really the only three players that had a chance, maybe D'Lo, um, at the start of the year. Um, so there weren't even one, much less two. So for that, I get a meh. Ariane predicted that LeBron would break Kareem's scoring record against the Pelicans on February 4th. He's still like 30 points short, if I understand, Ariane. He needed 62 points in that game. 36, and didn't get it. I think he's 36 points short still. Yeah, he did not score 64 yeah, points. So potentially he'll get it in his next game, but maybe not still. Maybe it'll be two more games. He sat out a game, and that really screwed up my calculus there. I didn't anticipate that. What, an I NBA player sitting out a game? I've never heard of that. I don't know. Shocking. I don't know. Very shocking. Um, but either way, that prediction is wrong, so Aaron gets a nah. Nah, nah, nah. That, that was it for our accountability session. Um, so I'll start getting predictions up on the board. I am going to say, sort of go um, so go back to what I was saying, that KU is not quite as good as they are ranked. And I'm going to say they do not make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Are they, are they lining up as, I haven't looked yet, or recently, are they lining up as a projected two seed uh, right now? Right, or three seed? Right three, now in the net rankings, they're 10. Um, if I go to the bracket matrix, let me see here. Bracket matrix says... Their sweet spot's right at that 16. Yeah, bracket, bracket matrix has Kansas as a one seed still, um, which means... I'm going to disagree with that. <laughs> it's, it's the conglomeration of all the bracketologies, right? It's not like that's just one person. Right. I would bet on a three seed, personally. Maybe they'll get up to a two. wouldn't shock me. I would be very surprised if it was a one. I think they're, um, a, two, they're a two or a three. Um, I think they lose in the Sweet 16, personally. Out be before the Sweet 16, though. I know, so they, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I would be surprised. So yeah, at or before, I would almost say that that's a double. But but it's not at before. Uh, yeah, added. Yeah, but before the Sweet Sixteen, I mean. Yeah. I don't know if that's is that quite a home run though. No. 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 It's the it's the it, it's March Madness, you know. Yeah. Anything can happen. I, I agree. I agree. even a sixteen seed winning. We have everything now. Can I? Yeah. Um. I, I'll I like a triple. That's that's fine. With that's me. that's what I said. So yeah, triple. No, I I will take the triple. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Yeah, he's still alive, still doing good. He is looking forward to the big game this weekend, and he thinks Philadelphia is going to win it. He's got the Eagles. Single. Yep. Whether or not they're favored, it's close enough that this is still a single. Yep. I'm going to predict that the Iowa State men and women basketball teams both break into the AP top 10 and are there on the same week. Um, they don't have to break in at the same week, but at some point in time, they will both be in the AP top ten. Boy, that I mean, okay. we haven't broken we haven't broken the top ten this season, I'm, right? I'm less concerned nope. about the men and more concerned about the women at this point, though. 
Well, obviously, yeah. Which flipped that back a couple months ago, and it would be the uh, exact know, like, opposite story. So can we rewrite how this is written down? I'm very confused <laughs> by how you've written it. Uh, and are but, both there but, for a week. I'm but, like, they get no, released no, once but, a week. They're what do you mean? They're on the same both, week. both teams will be in the top 10 in the same week at some point this season. It's essentially the way to phrase that. There, there yes. you go. Okay. I'll, I'll rephrase that. Triple. Ooh, I was almost thinking home run. Really? I was mm-hmm. also leaning towards a home run because I don't think the women are getting there. Not without, or not with, yeah, not without Stephanie Soares. I think both teams have the capability and the possibility of being in the yeah. top 10. And there's not that many polls left. So if they get into the top 10, they'll probably be in at the same time. I'm going to stick with triple. Uh, this but, is really you know, top. It has to be a majority. So. What are the, if the men don't get it, the men don't get it by two weeks from now, are they going to get it? Because that's when you get like K-State on the road, Texas on the road, all in the same week. Like if they lose both of those games, you don't have a whole lot of like marquee wins left to to get back into the top ten. Yeah, I gotta say, home run. I just don't think the women can get back. That you just you I, just don't see that much movement in the women's poll. It's just the nature of the game. Yeah. I All think right, I saw run. that Purdue was the only team in the men's poll that did not change places. Every other team changed places, which is kind of crazy. Hmm. Especially in a week where Purdue lost, too. Yeah. I mean, but it was on the road to a top 20 team. It's not like they got beat by Minnesota. And that top 20 team happens to be your rival. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will take a home run. Kyle, what do you got? The Royals we'll finish the last in the AL central. We're going from a good Kansas city sport to God awful baseball for an entire season. We'll see. Um, it wouldn't shock me. I'll say that. <laughs> Let's see. Fangraphs doesn't have their projection out yet. So I can't look there. I doubt five thirty eight does either. Still too early, so we got to we got to do this uh, based on our own stuff here. So who's worse than the Royals? Potentially Detroit. You got the, I'm the, saying, would be the White Sox, the Guardians, the Tigers, the Royals, and the Twins. Yeah. The, 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 the the Detroit's the, 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 the Twins, White Sox, and Guardians should all be should all be better than the Royals. So don't don't count on the White Sox. <laughs> well, we saw what happened last season. They were not great. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, if you were going to put the lineup out, you know, you're putting the Royals in last, right? I I would tend to put Detroit in last just because their pitching is worse than Kansas City's. I like Kansas City's starters a little better than Detroit's. I'm willing to give this a double just because of the longevity. Um, I don't think it's a triple just because I think they're clearly one of the worst two teams. That's fair. I still lean towards a single just because, you I know, mean, it, it's, you're it's, a coin, it's one of two. That's what I was going to say. It's either a single or a double, but I agree with Mike just because there's a nothing, whole season of baseball. Nothing baseball hasn't even started. Right, but are you guys going to magically land Shohei Otani before the season? Like nothing 
anything that big is going to change, right? Like, so who cares if baseball hasn't started yet? Nothing different is going to change that will make the prediction different to me. Anything could happen. I'm going to say double. I'm just well. feeling stingy today, I guess. <laughs> double it is. We'll, we'll give that a double. What uh, What are you going to write down, Ariane? Uh, well, let's see. What did I write down? <laughs> Time for us to be stingy <laughs> with him. Yeah, yeah I expect Single. that. That's fair. Uh, both the men's and the women's basketball teams for the Cyclones will win at least two of their remaining regular season away games. Boy. I believe they both have four left. So Iowa State has West Virginia, K State, Texas, and Baylor. K State, Texas, and Baylor. Oh, when is the last time that we won in Waco? God, it's got to be a long time. When was the last time we were this good to counter it? When I was in school. Yeah. And we still were historically bad against Baylor. We just even got at, against Baylor in Hilton. In Hilton, yeah. Like the only times we beat Baylor was in Hilton South. Yeah, man. I hated Baylor more than I hated anybody else because they would just always, no matter how bad they were, how good we were, they would just come in and just kick our butts every time. And and the women have road games at fourteen and seven West Virginia. At sixteen and six Baylor, at sixteen and seven Oklahoma State, and at fourteen and seven Kansas. So no easy wins, but no juggernauts on the road schedule for the women. I think the women are more likely to do it than the men. They've got more chances and an easier yeah. schedule. I could see the women winning two of them fairly easily. Yeah. As we said earlier, the men are not going to be favored in a single one of these Correct. away games. I, I'm willing to go to a triple on this. But I could be convinced to a double. I'm not feeling stingy. A triple is fine with me. Kyle, I guess it doesn't matter what you have to say, My, but it doesn't, you, you doesn't could, matter. You could try to sway. You could try to sway our opinions. I'm just saying, if you punched all these numbers together like we do sometimes, I wouldn't be shocked if it looked a lot more like a home no. run. But I'll take no, all right, do no, the numbers. No, it's not going to do look the like numbers. We'll have time do the numbers. It's not going to look like do the numbers. FBI for all you these. Got, you got a lot yes. of oars in here. BPI, you got rather. a lot of oars in here, right? That's true. That makes it what a lot mean? harder. They, they only got to win two. You just have to win two. Score, so you have to right? look at one and four and then one and three and one and two and like that for all of them. Yeah, it'd be. Yes, it'd be this would be a complicated. I'm certainly not equation. doing the math. I can tell you that I dropped out of school for a reason. <laughs> I can tell you that BPI has West Virginia as a 65.5% favorite over Iowa State on Wednesday. So, well, there's there's one of four that you need. Get your what do you mean one? Right. But, but, uh, but it gives us a 45% chance to win at K-State. So. Which is high. That is high. I mean, high. that, that high. speaks to what the metrics say about K-State, like I was saying earlier. The, metri- the, metri- yeah, the metrics say K-State so is the eighth best team in the conference. And you can take that for what it's worth. But that's what the metrics say. Hmm. Yeah, watch us roll into Manhattan and get our... The snot yeah. knocked out of us. I wouldn't be, surp- I wouldn't be surprised, fine. but I'm just telling you what. what silly bird shoes well, so off. we gave Ariana a triple yes. here, I guess. Yeah, I'll take a yes. triple. Sorry, I was trying to, you know, 
swayed persuade him into looking at it. I was actually fighting for you, unlike your stint. I'm not fighting for or against anyone. I'm just trying to expound and give reason, you know? No no bias. It's all good. Uh, a good thing about this as well is we did hit the cycle. We have a single double, two triples, and a home run rounding out this week's rendition of the Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 209. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at 8311cast. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, R.M. Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones.